Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Dr. Gene Gray's Red Party City Wig, Ian Carlos Crawford, and I'm here with my co-host, the wave that killed Gene Gray. Adam Sass. And then we are Hello. We are also joined today uh, by, have you ever tried not being a mutant? Steve Orlando. Hi. <laughs> uh, and then we also have, oh my God, we have Halle Berry's transitional accent. Hi, it's David Vasquez. Wonderful. And last but not least, we are joined by the soda bottle that Iceman blows ice into and then Wolverine grips with his hand. Hi, it's Ryan Houlihan. <laughs> I want everyone to know we took a while thinking of those intros. There was a lot of dicking around before we got to that, but you were receiving the cream of the crop. There was a lot of shit that came before that. It ended on a very <laughs> Stefan place, but I like the energy. <laughs> So uh, we're all here today to discuss what is, I think, universally considered the best X-Men film, uh, X2. And uh, yeah, everyone here has been on a million times except for Steve. And Steve is a comic book writer uh, who... Steve, do you want to say what you're... No, I'm really interested to see where you're going with it. (laughs) He is known. He is known in the comic world. Uh, Always a delight to have one of my comic book crushes on the podcast, Steve. Um, Wonder Woman. We we current writer of Wonder Woman, writing Wonder Woman right now, Wonder Woman. There we go. There we go. Listen, this is this is only going to stoke the fires of the DC uh, Marvel rivalry, surely. Everything you say here will be studied with a fine tooth comb by some people you're, you're about to get flooded with comments that are like good thing disney bribed you <laughs> yeah yeah ian how much how many like sacks with the dollar sign on it did disney deliver to your door yeah like yeah. so many i'm like scrooge mcduck <laughs> i just swim in my coins um so i figure we can all talk about what we remember like seeing the movie and everything. Uh, David, you mentioned you had a good story. So I'll have you go first. Um, Well, I saw it in a drive-in theater with my high school boyfriend and we were both very broke. Um, I was 17 at the time. He was 18. uh, And this particular drive-in theater charged per person rather than per vehicle. So on this lovely date that he took me on i was hiding in the trunk and he just drove it alone <laughs> and they gave him kind of a little shit at the uh the box office this thing that you drove past but you know they let him through paying it for one person i got out of the trunk and we enjoyed the the movie together you hid in the trunk i'm, I'm thrilled by that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Adam, do you remember you what your experience was seeing the movie? I, sh- I sure do. Um, yeah, I was a it was I was in my first few years of college, and so I was yeah I was like twenty, and I was like living life. I was out. I was newly out. It was wonderful. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those things where uh, I feel like like me like the X Men movies super peaked with this moment. So <laughs> I feel very connected to it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it was just the prime of Miss Jean Brody all around. Ryan? 
Um, I was a freshman in high school and I went with my best friend at the time. Still my best friend. I don't know why I'm classifying that. Um, He's going (laughs) to listen to this and be like, what? Um, And we went and saw it and we ate a ton of fucking snacks. And um, I remember just halfway through being like, oh, I'm going to tell him after that. I think this is a gay metaphor. (laughs) Um, I had just come out and I thought everything was a gay metaphor, but it happens. I was right. (laughs) You think. I'm starting to suspect. <laughs> uh, Steve, do you remember when <clears throat> you also first saw it? Uh, yeah, I knew it was a gay metaphor. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was a junior in high school and I did like, there was like a couple levels. Like I went with my couple of my friends who were not as big into comics and uh, and one who was like, in my opinion, like Greenhorn comics fan. So I was... Unfortunately, being like a very gross gatekeeper after the movie, him being like, oh my God, did you know that the illusion at the end might mean that she's going to be the <laughs> And I was like, calm down, Clyde. Like, I'm aware. Uh, you know, but then I I love thinking of this to this day because I'm petty. Like, I was in art class the next day with some motherfucker who insisted that Matrix Reloaded was better than this movie because they came out the same summer. Uh, and like, I just want to meet him now and be like, look at that CG Gumby piece of shit. <laughs> like, that you were that you were standing for so hard like he was like he could not even fucking begin to conceive that this could be better and now look i care i guarantee you he is haunted by this comment <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it was uh <laughs> so most of my things revolve around pettiness in this movie both my pettiness that i would i would be seeing it with like like an entry point fan of like do you think gambit is in the background and then also uh also someone who would dare uh, equivocate uh, reloaded with this are you something you should know about me i think the two most insulting things you can say to someone are who are you and look at you now and uh this falls under look at you now for that guy uh, and, and i'm very pleased about 17 years on that i can say that well, I'm glad you won. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> yeah, I won. It's really yeah. That's <laughs> you vanquished this uh, teenager from your class. Uh, Wait, did you I... say 17 years? Oh my god, that was half my life ago. Well, that must be nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just have to say, like, I find it very abusive how many times I've heard the phrase "I was in high school" just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam and I were not in high school in this movie, Jim. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> emotionally i was in fifth grade i remember watching it and thinking to myself like so i can't go to the harry potter school i can't go to fucking x-men school but it's where what am i supposed to do go to public school like i was so like deep into and then then you did (laughs) i was so into like buffy and like like everything i loved i felt like was happening while I was in high school, like was set in high school, was like it was all happening and Degrassi, whatever. And now I looked at the teens and I'm like, what do you have? Ariana Grande? Come on. <laughs> no, I nothing has made me feel older than watching things for teens now. But I also feel like they're written by people our age, so who the fuck knows? Like I watched yeah, yeah I watched Euphoria and I was like, should I have been fucking so much <laughs> in high school? I as did someone, way too few drugs in high school. <laughs> As someone who writes for teens now, I will say the impulse to like not write like a twenty-six-year-old and just like drag an eraser over the two and change it to a one <laughs> is very is it hard. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, yeah, I was gonna say everyone who writes for like Riverdale and Sabrina is 
around our ages, so whatever. Well, Riverdale, oh, so many emotions. But uh, actually, yeah, there's a there's a there's a flamecon story about Riverdale when I once bought what I thought was a cute Jughead crown and turned out, as Valerie Complex, the movie reviewer, told me on a panel, was a sex crown that I've been wearing all day at Flamecon. Uh, wait, <laughs> wait. I'm sorry. Let me just pause for a second. What is a sex crown? Yeah, okay, check it out. So I bought like, and again, for people who are maybe in the world and are gonna laugh at my naivete, I deserve it. So I, I thought Jughead was cute, and I was like, I'm gonna buy a little crown because Jughead wears crown. It's Flame Con. I'm like me. Uh, I'm gonna be like real cute. So I buy a leather crown. Black. Oh, well, there was your there 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 you did it. <laughs> I know. So, it, so I buy a black leather crown, and I'm wearing this motherfucker all day. Okay, like like this panel that I'm on is at 7:30 at night, and so I've been wearing this shit all day. And people are like smirking and coming up and whatever. And I sit down next to Valerie, God love her, on this panel, mic'd up, and she's like, "So you know that crown's like a sex thing, right?" And I was like, "Shut up, no, you're lying." Um. <laughs> And uh, to the crowd, too, who's all like, <laughs> of course I knew that, Vale. What are you talking about? But what is it? <laughs> so it turns out it means, it turns out I was wearing a crown all day that meant I was a dom top, which no comment. Uh, <laughs> but like all day fucking flame cunt. So now, yeah. So that that's my, inspired by Riverdale, I made myself look like an idiot all day at FlameCon. Now I'll have you know, on principle, I own both the Dom Top and the King Bottom Crown at my house. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> just, you know, I, just, you know, I tried to Google sex crown just now just to see if I could, and it was like, and the, the first five things that came up were a list of like all the sex scenes in Netflix is the crown. Well, first of all, <laughs> like Val couldn't be working a long con with me. Uh, that's, I wouldn't know. Because like, could have been a pickup line, you know. <laughs> I feel like I've seen you wear the crown and like on your Instagram. Like I always am like, oh, that crown looks cute, and I had no idea. Yes, I've worn it on my Instagram because I'm trying to sell my soul on my Instagram. So yeah, of course I have. I will note you make anything out of leather, and you could convince me it's a sex thing. There's somebody. There's a market for it somewhere. You could be like, you could be like. It's a bookshelf made of leather, and I'd be like, "Oh, people fuck on that, yeah." <laughs> well, really into back pains. For what it's worth, the king, the king bottom one is pink and made of PV, is made of like PVC. So mm. that's not any better, I guess. Actually, <laughs> so. I like king bottom. I like that term. <laughs> uh, David, I'm thank you for staying quiet during uh, that talk. Um, <laughs> so my. I remember I was working at a movie theater when this movie came out and our boss had a meeting. I was a assistant manager at a movie theater in South Jersey. And our boss had like a meeting on like promo we should do because they kind of knew this movie was going to be huge. Like the whole, like I'm sure every movie company knew. And so it was like planning on what we were doing for promo to be the movie theater everyone went to. And we got like, the craziest shit we had like a big budget for promo and i don't know how a movie theater in the suburbs of south jersey had one but like there was a piglet movie or a winnie the pooh movie and we like rented a pig to come into the movie theater um you know just like some weird lady that owned a pig that you could rent and she came in with her pig and walked around the movie theater i worked Uh, in the movie theater when this came out we didn't do stunt queen stuff like really yeah we had i don't know how they had the budget but we did so they made us all costumes and four of us dressed up as the X-Men 
And I was so mad because there was a hotter straight guy that was like jacked and he got to be Wolverine, even though I really wanted to be Wolverine and I had to be stupid Nightcrawler. And boy, is that uncomfortable getting your face painted every morning for three days. Um, and so I would have thought to be Nightcrawler. Let some stupid straight guy be Wolverine. <laughs> but especially like to like 20 year old me, it's like, oh, but Wolverine's the cool one. But is he? You know. Right. Oh, no. What is the Nightcrawler costume isn't exactly like cool like no one's like oh that guy looks cool painted all in blue with like well, a baggy jacket and blue blue like uh slipper feet that's the other thing that i was like that's the other thing i was going to get into later in this thing is that like this um like the comics nightcrawler is always like very like lithe and the costume is very form-fitting but in the movies like got some duster on like it's like thick layers and and whatnot so it's yeah it's just it's not as um you know, Wolverine was kind of the moment back then. We were still in the yeah. era where, like, you know, we were kind of ashamed of of uh, mm-hmm. costumes. Like, my one sadness, not my one sadness with the Fox X-Men franchise, let's be real, but, like, um, <laughs> like that all we ever got was a tease of that, like, of, of a Wolverine, Wolverine costume at the end of, I think, yeah. uh, the Japan one. The Wolverine. Yeah. It took us, like, 20 years. I and, always thought, like, what, like, why, who, who was like, oh, I was gonna see that X Men movie, but pff, those costumes are too colorful. <laughs> well, this is all like backlash from Batman and Robin, which was like, don't be cute gay. in any way, like, just don't be <laughs> yeah. gay. Like, I mean, again, it was like one, you know, from one gay director to another gay director, and comic fans were like holding all IPs in an iron grip at that time. Definitely, like. It, it was it was definitely like a I mean because this was also like the the summer after Spider Man so like the first X Men really hit but then like Spider Man one made like Gadzooks money so then it just got even more just like high stakes and like don't do anything if you're gonna be gay just be like super 2003 era mask gay keep it behind closed doors yeah um and Adam I think I might have mentioned this. I can't remember if I mentioned it during recording of the first X-Men episode we did, but also, so we went to the mall to hand out like flyers about like coming to see, like see X2 at our theater and someone called the police on us uh, because they said there was a guy holding knives, handing out flyers and someone <laughs> painted blue. Wow. That, um, that's stolen plot point from the movie. Go on. Yeah. And literally, like, the police came up to us and it was like, oh, you guys are dressed in costumes, right? And we're like, oh, yeah, we work for Cinemark Movie Theater. And they're like, okay. Someone called the police. They said that you were walking around with knives, but clearly those are fake. And then we're just like, it's fine. If anyone bothers you, just say that you already talked to yeah, us. I mean, is that, and that was it. Is that even against the law in New Jersey? Didn't you say you were from South Jersey? <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? It's like, oh, yeah, there's... <laughs> I was about but, to say I'm a little bit shocked that Cinemark had such a large like advertising budget, but then I realized no, they just told you teenagers to do a bunch of stunts for minimum right. wage. And honestly, right. mad respect to the to your boss at the time. <laughs> uh, are you kidding? I was an assistant manager, and I remember this was the most money I ever made at a job, and I was being paid seven fifteen an hour as an assistant manager at a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Not Ian, enough if to a see a shot movie. of you with your face painted blue. I need to see it. I need to know. <laughs> well, um, so because we were walking around the mall all day, you know how that I don't know that they have them anymore, but they used to have like those like photo studios in malls. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So the these two teen girls that were working the one at the mall we were at 
asked us if we wanted to come in and take like really silly family portraits. So we did. Um, and they printed them for us for free. Uh, and I still have like one or two of them somewhere where Nightcrawler and Wolverine are in a fake boat rowing and like <laughs> Lady Deathstrike and Cyclops are holding beach balls behind us. And it's really silly. And I kind of love them. <laughs> Well, still not as gay as that fucking uh, Esad Ribic cover from the Derek Robertson Wolverine series. So that's totally fine. Steve, that's a very specific reference. I don't know <laughs> which one you're talking Real? about. Real? You can't. Okay. So this is like an infamous cover to us comics people. It's like, so when Rucka and Derek Robertson took over the Wolverine series, it was actually circa these movies because he. It was like an era where it was rumored that Marvel wouldn't let him wear a costume and things like that. And this is all like, I was still just a reader at that point. So who the fuck knows? Although, but so it was him like, he's in his clothes and he's just a tough guy. But the cover, um, I like <laughs> Nightcrawler's fucking naked on it. And Wolverine is sitting at a table, clearly drunk, staring at his nude body. And then he has a beer bottle mimicking his phallus. It is the gayest Wolverine cover. Amazing. I like I can't I I'm Ian I'm going to send it to you on DM so that you can opine uh anyway but go on but it's just funny because it's funny that it was when I call her Wolverine and they have a an infamous moment wait before uh, we move on I need I need I I was like in junior high and high school when my X-Men fandom was like at its greatest mutant power and I remember I like couldn't afford like like I didn't have like an allowance and I didn't start working until I was in high school so I couldn't like buy comic books and I could like only take stuff out of the library sometimes or like a family member would buy me one issue or like I got the X-Men Next Dimension video game stuff like that that I was like okay th now I got it um but I would get random issues that were completely out of the like the continuity of X-Men. So I would like have to piece together what was going on in the one issue I had. But I remember there was one issue where Quicksilver like has his abs out and he's like dripping or something. And I remember just being like, I am so lucky that this is the issue that I got. <laughs> and when my mom like was like, how was it? I was like, oh my God, it was the best one ever. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I like kept it under my bed. And I just, I did not remember that until this exact moment. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I feel like a lot of them were pretty gay, but I don't know if it was intentional or just like the late 90s were very weird, right? And like straight dudes didn't realize they were drawing gay things? Well, check your... Or maybe... Okay. <laughs> and then tell me if it was intentional or not. Uh, I No, I, I, I looked it up. I've seen this before. I've definitely seen this before. Okay, this is yeah. bringing back a lot of feelings, yeah. Oh, yes. You're right, Steve. I have yes. fucking seen this. Because how isn't this porn... Like this well, looks like fan art I that mean, I would enjoy. In general, I think a lot of like Kinsey One guys who do like animation art and stuff like that. This is when it really all pops out. This is this is when the when the one jumps out. Because <laughs> yeah, that is that picture. <sighs> if you just it Google might, Wolverine might... Nightcrawler gay, there's just so much and in oh, so many positions. Oh, it yes. <laughs> I mean, even if I mean like. My autofill, I was like Nightcrawler Wolverine, and it said cover. Like I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go. So it, Google knew. I mean, I think I wrote like when I was really bored after college. I was friends with these two goth twins in Syracuse, and they were obsessed with like goofy ass flash fic. So I think mm -hmm. I did guest on their like on their like train of of, of flash fic one time, and I think somehow 
I wrote a story with Nightcrawler and Wolverine where because of his teleportation abilities, he was both topping and bottoming for him. Um, so- Steve, your mind. <laughs> I was 23. <laughs> I always did think that about multiple man. Like if you're multiple man, why do you ever leave the house? <laughs> right. I wouldn't. Uh, so we are here to discuss X2. <laughs> um, I think this opening, I text Adam when I was watching the opening. I was like, I just said, or maybe it was Ryan. I was like, this is just so goddamn good. I think that, I mean, the movie overall really still holds up, but this opening is as good as something I think we would see in like a superhero movie today. What do you guys think? I love it. I mean, the action sequences of this movie, especially the fight scenes, I was trying to work out if it's just that that was my like time of life that I loved watching tons of fight scenes and stuff like that, like fight choreography. I was super into it. Or if it was just genuinely better, because sometimes I watch Buffy episodes and I'm like, no, this is just better. Like when I see fight choreography today, it's not good. Like the the best fight scene I've seen recently was um, Janet on the good place. Like they're all so poorly (laughs) choreographed. And these are these are so good. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, is it a budget thing? Is it a CGI thing? Is it lazy? Because I don't think I can remember a single good fight scene in a recent superhero film at all. And like, I love a lot of them. Yeah. Like I also think for me at the time, putting myself in that time place, I remember this being like really, really nice to see because also it was one of the first breaks in a while uh, from like, the Matrix Wire, not to really continue to shit on the Matrix here, but like like the, uh, the Wire kind of stuff. Like we had a few years of like, all right, we're gonna stop the camera and slow and spin, and then they're gonna and like you're gonna get this whole stuff, which is which had been nice. Charlie's Angels did it great, like, but like definitely this was like okay, great, we have some movement, we have some. It's know, also it's also just the feeling. idea of like using powers in a creative imaginative way like what how would an x-men get into the white house like that's like a fun thing to do with power yes yeah i was gonna say like i uh i mean because i'm pretentious like i laugh at the unsubtle imagery of him like standing in the pose of jfk in front of the jfk painting but i'm an asshole oh of course it's awesome it's, it's still a great scene but no, what to me is that it's the creativity of it. Like, even now, I mean, as a kid who, well, by the way, I was already trying to break into comics when this movie came out. I started breaking into comics or trying to when I was 12. So I was, like, already into it and, like, thinking about things to an extent this way. But yeah, like, you, he, he used Nightcrawler's powers in a way that you had never really thought of before. And also, you couldn't, because you couldn't really show that that was happening in the same way in a comic. In a, in, in a cartoon, you could, in animation. But, like... Um, so it was really interesting to me. Those are the things. And that was what had always appealed to me from that time. Since then, I've learned that things like story and character matter. But when I was younger, I only liked things that were clever. So, like, I I loved that. It was, like, the same type of thing as when, like, Green Arrow and the Atom beat Darkseid was in one of the first comics I ever read. And I was like, what? How is this possible? So that was incredibly creative. And there's a lot of that in this movie, too. Like, I don't know if we're going scene by scene, but it brought a lot of... It, 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 this was the first movie to me, even more than the first X-Men, where it brought scenes that maybe were iconic for us as fans into the mainstream so that, like, everyone could love them. You know, to me, it's like, like, you had mentioned Endgame, and for the first, like, since the MCU started, I was waiting for Cap to pick up fucking Mjolnir, you know, like, yeah. something we knew was going to happen if you're a comics fan who's alive. And likewise, like, you know, we all, I mean, Magneto has done the Iron and the Blood trick forever, 
but for it to happen in this movie and for everyone else to sort of come in on that like cool application of his power like it was it was really exciting for me because it was something that i always thought was cool and now like all of these normies who i took from the swim team promising them that rebecca romaine was going to be naked in this movie uh also (laughs) cool you know and by the way i did con this is the wrong x-men movie but x-men one i legit had to con my swim team friends into seeing it with me uh, by telling them Rebecca Romaine would be naked, which was technically true, but did not go the way they expected. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, my kingdom for clever. I feel like I haven't seen clever usage of powers or like a fun little like slice of life in a in anything super TV film in a while. Like comics are the only place where you ever get like the 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 space, I guess, to like do or I guess the imaginative license to do something where you're like, oh yeah, why would Iceman own a refrigerator or something stupid where you're like, you know, why would that be? Um, and it's like a, I don't know, like I I miss it and I miss the like just having a little bit of fun. Like I get the Marvel movies have done a little more of that. Spider-Man has, has like attempt been a, some attempts to like lighten things up and make them a little more playful and funny. But like I don't need I don't know. I don't need to be like on a fucking other planet where like it's a fight for the crystal who unlocks the inner demons within us that could unleash like mm-hmm. I sometimes I'm just like we're in high school, some of us have superpowers. How would that affect like dating? Like that's interesting to me. So the little <laughs> moments like that that are peppered throughout are like little drops of like delight. And then it makes like the like overarching sort of like themes about parenthood or whatever like it, for a younger person it makes them go down easier and for an adult it like it spices it up a little bit you know yeah i like i i really enjoy these like little clever moments i, I mean i i i think also it's just like like you said yeah i just i like this movie because it's filled with you know there's big emotions and whatnot in that but the stuff that like but i, I don't remember that as much as i remember the little moments that are like you know stupid juice moments like that are just like yeah him blowing cold into the pop like it, that's, that's what everybody remembers and like hardly anybody remembers like a lot of the bigger broader stuff like when lady deathstrike has like long fingernails coming out and like and like the the, the cuts on her face disappear i had not seen that on film and i was like oh that is what that would look like that's so cool you know what i mean and like i didn't yeah. think too much about being like you know well what's wolverine's identity at this moment like i don't know like i was a kid <laughs> and also as an adult like there are moments for that and there are times for just like having fun and i think like the fight scenes and like using the powers and like being in school like in a classroom setting that's for fun i wanted to point out the cinematography is also really it's very peak early 2000s good but i still i think it works and the music they're playing i don't know if that's like I, I'm bad at this. I don't know if that's like an actual classical song or just like something they reproduced for the movie, but it's, it fucking it's works. Mass. It is a real song uh, okay. because I was the person who was so obsessed with it that I downloaded it so I could listen to it on Napster uh, <laughs> back in the day. Yes. But also, uh, <laughs> LimeWire. Yeah. Uh, but also my boyfriend, who is a classical musician, when we were rewatching this for this podcast, audibly groaned when it came on. That's how I know that it's mainstream <laughs> classical music song. <laughs> Uh, so you know there's that too i promise you a real piece of music (laughs) no i i think it i think it makes it like for me in scenes like this especially in like a superhero movie i feel like that we're either like putting classical music to an action scene or like modern music those are like the two things that really work for me i don't need like a middle ground like siri i don't know i think that works to make it more sweeping or make it more fun either one and this one makes it 
more sweeping, especially when Nightcrawler, when he's in the Oval Office and just like kicking the shit out of those guards and they're flying ridiculously high in the air. I love it. I love it. One thing that I will say about the about the action sequences, which I overall like, there is a lot of people flying and without enough like momentum or force to justify how far they fly, like at a wall or at a ceiling. Uh, that's me being nitpicky, but it is something that that is pretty consistent throughout the movie. Oh, sure. I mean, when you really think about it, like Nightcrawler shouldn't have any of the momentum he has when he's like appearing for three seconds and kicking someone and then disappearing. But like, we can't, we can't think about it too much, folks. Like, I mean, I will, I will have a huge nitpick uh, for the end of the movie that's like that. So let's just put that in our pocket. Uh, oh, I have lots of nitpicks. I get in my head about so many things like with the curvature of her claws, where does Lady Deathstrike keep them? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Lady Deathstrike claw thing. I'm I'm working currently on a in a 50 page scientific research paper <laughs> that I will be like dropping in Nature next Bending month. Adamantium has to be one of her superpowers because like it doesn't make sense. The worst placing for a blade is on a an appendage that could just snap off. Even if you have adamantium, it's just not good leverage. Right. What you want is you want to anchor it somewhere on the body with a center of gravity. <laughs> I love this. I love it. Meanwhile, fucking Michelle Visage here is flipping nine times in the air. (laughs) David's calculating it. (laughs) So then we go, literally my next note is just, oh God, these wigs. Because then we get the museum scene uh, and Storm and Jean Grey have new hair. It is not better, but it is new. It's just new. It's the next cha- it's the next maxi challenge. It's just they're like, all right, a new wig now. As I, I said before this started, and I will stand by, the wig person on this set was a very good salesperson, but could not source wigs. So everyone on set was like, I need one. And then she was like, oh, got to get a party city. Ooh. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's only five dollars. Great. I'll get this one. <laughs> you can see them collecting Nightcrawler as like the field test for their wigs. <laughs> to see how they deal with like wind and you know <laughs> whatever what other whatever other challenges come up when it comes to like a wig staying on when you're a superhero <laughs> i i just don't know how they like i mean i guess storm's wig is better i guess i just but i don't i just don't know how like a queer person directed this movie and the wigs are so fucking bad <laughs> Right. I mean, let's not let's not go crazy claiming Brian Singer. Let let me. Well, I mean, listen. I'm just. He's gay, but he's not queer. I I it's I, it was directed by anonymous. I'm not. Who's who is to say? We don't know. It's a mystery still. It's very disputed. We just do know. And the last thing I'll say about that <laughs> is that Hollywood owes Noah Galvin an apology. <laughs> it sure do. I, on on that entire interview, yes. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so we did dispute before recording whether we think Jean Grey's hair is just a bad dye job or a bad wig. No, it's got to be a wig. I'm sorry. That hair, it it looks, it's like you took the Chloe from Smallville hair, but you made it out of like copper wire and like it will not bend. She turns her face and it is, it beat her to it. It is the most, <laughs> that wig is, that is, that wig is wagging the dog. I'm sorry. That wig is the Phoenix Force. It is so powerful. It has a mask. It is directing the film. The whole film and is directed by the wig. Title. <laughs> How dare you bring up Chloe from Smallville? 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to get into the cult. I was, I was like, hour. bringing in more cultists into this, more problematic people into this conversation. <laughs> Funny I can't even say that on this. Never mind. Uh, I, have a, I, I have a shockingly close degree of separation from that cult. So, uh, oh, Jesus. oh, it was based 20 minutes from my house when I lived in Albany. Oh, my God. My good friend is Chloe Sullivan's wife now. So let's get into that. All right. Uh, Short version. I was like doing doing cons in Albany and I was like, why is the girl from Battlestar Galactica here? It's fucking Albany. So we became kind of friends. uh, And she'd always never actually hang out. Like, oh, I've been in Brooklyn, like shooting films and things. And I've been like, oh, no, it's you and Whole Foods. Oh, we should hang out, Nikki. Uh, oh, but I've been in like Brooklyn shooting films, but I came here to focus on my comedy career. Nonsense. So like I see her at Whole Foods one day and straight up two days later, she's on the news in Mexico running from the cops. Oh my God. Uh, oh my. And I think I miss how we got to Chloe Sullivan's sex cult. Uh, uh, Ryan, Jean, Jean Ryan pointed out wigs. That, that Jean Grey's wig looks like her hair. Wig, yeah. Oh. So, like every time she was dodging me, supposedly for a movie, she was dodging me for the sex cult. And also, then she married uh, Allison Mack, so she couldn't testify against her. So life in Albany was oh. crazy when wow. I was there. And Sean Ashmore's brother was also on Smallville, and we're back. There we go. Oh, you know another recovered memory? This whole thing is gonna be me recovering memories. Um Mm. when I came out of the closet, I came out of the closet by saying I thought Sean Ashmore was hot to a friend. Oh Oh my god. Charlotte. Oh man. Uh I also have a story. I ran into Sean Ashmore and Brian Singer at Fiesta Cantina the month after this movie came out. Were they having a good time? allegedly they were with michelle trachtenberg so it was all a little balanced out oh my what? god and then and then the year 2003 orgasm and it was, I, know. Yeah. I was i was like oh man i was like just able to i like was just able to get into a bar and i was like yeah i'm so excited i'm hanging with all this queer elite which one is i've been to fiesta cantina right adam uh you have it's not um i i it's one of those things where i think like it was well regarded back when in in the heyday but now it's it's uh it's a little sticky flourish it's a little it's the really crowded mexican bar it is on Santa Monica, um right? okay, it yeah. is it's a little messy it's it's kind of where a lot of people go to and then this is only my lived experience this is, no one get mad at me. Um, it's a little what's kind of where you start out the night because yeah. you can just kind of get a big old cheap thing going on and then just you tie one on and then you leave. So there you go. I, I love the idea of Iceman and Dawn Summers and Anonymous. And Anonymous and Anonymous. And again, I, I'm, I'm my memory is hazy, but uh, who, who I was with there claims to their on their deathbed that Brandon Routh was there like a year before he was cast to Superman. Hmm. I mean, I've only hmm. seen Brian Singer getting out and leaving a coffee bean with two identical twins in West Hollywood. So Jesus, were they the Ashmores? No, I mean, no, they had brown hair. It was definitely not the Ashmores. Um, it, could, <laughs> it could have been young Clark from Superman actually, but how oh, amazing. <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, uh, my only interaction. Uh, uh, All right. Well, moving, moving on. on. Well, one time Vera Farmiga almost hit me with her bike. And when I said, hey, <laughs> she said, well, move. And frankly, <laughs> she was right. <laughs> so how about that? That was when I was oh, living man. next door to Catherine McPhee. Moving on. 
And you had every right to expect that your X-Men podcast would devolve into just a bunch of random (laughs) name dropping. Moving on. uh, Yeah, it's crazy the wigs are so bad. The museum scene, I think, feels like the most dated scene in the movie. I, it feels, so... I thought it was a scene from X1 when I was watching it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was in this movie. Because it's just the yeah. kind of, like, hijinksy, like, now we're in a museum that was happening in the first movie. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, honestly, I know this is, like, maybe, like, it's just as much as I love some of these side characters, the weakest parts are when they try to just be, like, they're teachers at a school. Like, it's always one of the most, like, daytime, stagey, like. Yeah. Um, you know, and over here. They're teachers in the like porn sense of a job. You know how like I know. Porn, you're like, here's your pizza, and you're like, wow, you're a terrible pizza guy. Or like, I'm a plumber, bang bang with a hammer. Like they're teachers in the sense that they're like, okay, class, look over here. And, and the audience is like in one voice, just going, Will you just get to the good stuff? Just fast forward. Exactly. I, I think the whole school thing like set sets emotional stakes. You know, they have these kids that they're fighting for yeah i it, i my whole thing with the emotional stakes of this was yes but it felt a little yes it felt a little uh cheap because when striker's like he's got all these kids in like a at the bottom of a well and he's like and one of his henchmen's like why do we have these kids and he's like uh to see if the thing works it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> like uh, I, I to me it seems like probably not a good covert government plan to like kidnap all the children. Well, they, yeah, I mean, like, the children. Uh, they got like six. The emotional stakes are, I think, sold a lot more effectively in the like the the mansion heist kidnapping part. That's right. definitely where it's like working. I'm not saying like all the kid parts are bad. I'm just saying like. This I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, if this was a, if this was a drag race challenge, it'd just be like, you know, yeah, the concept was there, it was good, we needed it for the thing. It just wasn't funny. Like you're, you're just like, it just didn't work. You know, like just like yeah, just the best, do it better. Just do it better. The best instance of it was the little kid who doesn't sleep. Like because we got to know something about him, and like we spent a second with him interacting exactly. with our characters, and like. You know, it had he he also we also came back to him in 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 one sense, and I, yeah, we have that kid with the tongue, but like I don't know, it just didn't work for me. But I I get yeah, I get why they had it. The kid that didn't sleep, which I which I'll I'll probably I'll say is Wiz Kid in my mind, uh, but like uh, that's an X Men deep cut reference. But um, yeah, like to me, like that's all you need in many ways because you guys are right. Like if you don't spend the time with them, it just seems cheap. And you get everything you need from that one thing where he has a cute interaction with Wolverine and then he, then you see him get shot in the neck and it's very jarring. Um, but like nameless kids dressed like Kurt Cobain, uh, cause it was 2003, like aren't especially endearing. And it just, yeah, it feels like, it feels like every, you know, time you feel like you just need to throw a kid into a movie so that someone cares. Uh, and also like, to be clear, as you guys said, like Stryker's plan makes no fucking sense anyway. Well, it is also a really great opportunity for, in all these X-Men movies, they find excuses for, like, a whole crowd of mutants to be together so that I could do the thing I did during all of them in high school, which is just, like, under my breath, try to identify every single mutant that we see on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and so then we get the White House scene. We learn that, I appreciate that we already know, like, Senator Kelly's there, but we learned in the first movie he's dead, so we know it's Mystique, like, immediately. Um and I kind of like that Mystique, we get to see a little bit of, 
well, her and Magneto both in this movie. We get to see a little bit of both, like, they're villains, but, like, they do want to help mutants. Like They're, they're sassy still villains gonna... who we want to spend time yeah. with, like Spike and Drew. like the like she's like trying to help the school right she's like it's just a school like she she tries to like help them cover it up and when they show the plane she's like what's this even though we know that mystique knows all of that we get lady deathstrike cartoonishly cracking her knuckles outside waiting uh and i kept thinking of it's and i did read that apparently it took them a really long time to recreate the like oval office set because they wanted it to be so like accurate that it looks like the veep set and i kept thinking of like them visiting julia lewis dreyfus we <laughs> <Louis and> admire <laughs> yeah she's just very agitated by all of this yeah she's like is there a mutant that can fix my schedule Wah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i all my next note is whatever striker's plan is doesn't quite make sense but okay sure fine because whatever right has there, been, has there been an X-Men movie where the plan really makes sense? Like the villain plan? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, I mean, like... If you're Magneto, right. way more effective plan is to just, just kill people. Just like start using your metal powers, walk down the street and just <laughs> fucking start slaughtering people until people listen. Like, I, I don't... Like, you're, it's what you're doing anyway. You're just introducing a lot of variables to this situation. <laughs> that was called Planet X. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. Like when I think about, I mean, like, I don't know. Yes. So I I actually genuinely couldn't even explain to you right now, Striker's plan. And I watched the movie yesterday. So like, uh, but I will say the movie does a good job of making you not care so much. Like that doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. Like I'm not here. Like, you know, I mean, you're there, you're there for Hannibal Lecter's scenery chewing. Like I love, like I'll segue into the, the, the next scene. Like, but Brian Cox, I love you. I tried. So funny story about this as well. I tried to get him to punch me once at San Diego Comic-Con. He <laughs> went into it. Um, I was sitting behind him at the world premiere of Trick or Treat, an anthology horror movie. Yeah, I see. Uh, and that he's in. And I was just, he had just been really bad in Troy. And I was just like aping his Troy performance, hoping he would like swing around and punch me in the green room so I could have a story like eerily similar to John Boyd bit me from Seinfeld. And, uh, but he wouldn't do it. But he is like his being Han- being the original Hannibal Lecter and him being in this movie and just like gnashing his teeth so much. Like his fucking Vietnam speech is hilarious. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he's he's for sure. He's almost acting in a different movie, but I like it. I'm into it. I'm like, he sure. reminds me of my friend's dad when I was younger. And you'll all see that I'm from Central New York now. Like he reminds me of my friend's dad when I was younger, who would claim to have a necklace full of uh, a, a Vietnamese ears. This is a real thing that he got in, that he got in Vietnam while being too young to have been in Vietnam. Oh my God. God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, unless he was serving at age nine. Uh, and so like, to me, that striker, like I actually, well, we know now because of first class and future past, whatever that he actually was, but I would have been like, are, dude, like, were you even in fucking Vietnam? Were you like, <laughs> were you, did you have bone spurs? And you're like, like, I, I just love, he's overacting to such an extent. I feel like he, like, <laughs> it, it just pleases me. I'd love to find out that he was like stationed in Germany during Vietnam. I mean, for the time this came out during the first W administration, that would have just been even killer satire to go even further in that, like, he's just this flop Warhawk guy direction. Yeah. Yeah. And well, just have him just unmasked. 
it's also super like this movie obviously takes cues because of 9-11 um but it feels everything did but it feels like we were really into the idea of like uh, an older guy who like has some wisdom and he's like listen we just gotta fucking kill civilians i'm sorry that's the way it is if you don't kill civilians we can't save the world sorry buddy i don't you know what i mean yeah. and like 100%. we were a little like horny for that idea like he gets to like chew scenery and like not really justify his emo- the, his plan like from a like will the ends justify the means thing like we were already there as a country like they didn't have to build up to that we were like got it we he's he's uh he, he's dick cheney got it moving on and like, um, it's like my news is currently saying we should only lose two percent of the population tops. Like we're currently well, yeah, still totally. that way. Yeah. No, but like, I yeah. mean, like there was something about the like about the like green turtleneck with like leather shoulder top things, and like there was a lot of like like camo uh, cargo pants, and there was just this fetishization of like military as like daily lifestyle. Um, and I feel like he kind of fits in with that, like, like that's how I identify or whatever. And so they don't really yeah. have to like explain that to us. They're just sort of like there. And so he's, I don't know, he's an interesting villain for them to have picked um, to go from like Magneto to Sh- William Stryker. It's, it's, just, it's just interesting because you would think for a comic book movie in any other era, they'd be like, well, we need a more fantastical villain who can like, you know, have, fly on a magic horse, like something more visual. You know what I mean? But instead they went for this understated guy well i think they were i mean definitely like the vibe was definitely like let's get the most like mutant phobic kind of character other than now that we did senator kelly like let's get the next like sort of like canonic character who's a human who's you know like just really into the you know that i think i think ryan is right um especially because william striker in the comics is like a religious zealot that's mm-hmm. why he like hates mutants because he's so religious right and kind of i, I would have for me that's a more interesting story because they did and all that's that also stuff like hurt which was religious but instead it's like national security is my religion well yeah. that's also because in that era like someone some some bro who was funny in that movie probably looked at it and said there's no punching in god loves man kills and yeah so they were like let's do the racism but let's add guns and because I mean, I've been in those rooms and like they're like, well, that's cool. But like, when does stuff blow up? So it felt like the answer, like now you could do God Loves Man Kills in like nine episodes in HBO. But back then they were like, we need to have shit like where are the tanks. And yeah. so I, I can understand why. Even as a kid, I was like, oh, you took Stryker and made him like you did the dumb version. Not that it was bad, but like it is like making him military is a lot more easy. It's a lot easier than if he, they'd gone the way uh, that they did. But, you know, we weren't into being super subversive, just medium subversive with this film. Yes. And- yeah, I I think that's exactly it, Steve. It's like, I think if, if he were also like a religious nut, that would have been like too subversive for back then. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, you sort of get the like politics of the first Iron Man movie, which is like operating from a place of Iraq, which is very yeah like i'm against killing people and we have to stop that so i'm gonna kill some people and you're like yeah, yeah. fuck yeah <laughs> so um moving on um we get so we we see magneto in his cell which you touched upon steve i i think ian mckellen is just fucking great in all of his scenes um uh, 
you know, uh, Adam, I think you pointed out in our recording for the first movie how, like, especially in this movie, Magneto and Mystique have such big, like, oh. older queer and his, like, lady best friend energy. Oh. And it is fucking wonderful. Yeah, it's, 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 it's that time. It's, 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 it's definitely their time to shine. And they knew exactly what they were playing. They're like petting each other, like kittens, making fun yeah. of like, <laughs> this young girl, Teenage they traumatized girl. and almost killed. Like, yeah. and it's like, and you're kind of like, as an audience member, you're weirdly laughing on their side because the way they've done rogue so far is not like, who cares? I, yeah. It's a little bit, who cares? So you were way more on the side of just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 that's their trauma hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, there's the whole element of watching it now. Like, I'm like, oh, those are the two people at the dinner party who, like, get it. And they, like, they have to be there. Yeah, but exactly. they, like, get it. And they keep glancing at each other over the table and, like, snickering. And we all know they're laughing about something, but we don't know what. And, like, now that I'm that person as an adult, I'm like, yes, slay, bitch. <laughs> I mean, McKellen is great. I'll be the first to admit, like, I was a fool. When I was, a, when the first movie came out, like, I had been like, you know, reading the Jim Lee and Adam Kubert being Jim Lee at that time uh, era of comics. And I was like, who is this thin guy that doesn't look like Jim Lee's Magneto? You know, like, like, and I was, as a kid, at least in the first movie, I was like, this guy seems like a wimp, you know, but obviously as an adult, I go back and I'm like, oh, he's like one of the best parts of these movies. I have a distinct memory of being in my comic store out in the suburbs of Syracuse and like holding up this trading card of like, you know, Magneto basically used to look like Clint Eastwood. He had like a massive under Jim Lee. And I was like, look at this guy and look at this guy. And there was, you know, the guy from at pupil. And I was just like, what is this crap? And to be clear, I was wrong. That's what I, I, I feel like a fool. Now I go back and like, and even though, even in the first movie, he's extremely good. Uh, I could watch his little like old man intellectual jousting with Charles that could be its own movie. I could watch them play chess and snipe each other in the most like subtle and British ways uh, ever, you know? Uh, what would you title it? What would I title it? Uh, I have no idea. I'm just like, it, I mean, I'm ba it's basically an Eddie Izzard joke of, you know, as a uh, British filmmaking versus American filmmaking. But uh, no, I just like, I remember how angry I was about in my mind of being well for X-Men even younger how they've gotten Magneto wrong. And now I look back and I'm like, I couldn't like, this is great. And I was a stupid yeah. idiot to quote. <laughs> well, you know, what's sort of funny is that I, I also with the casting for the most part, I was fine with it, but it was Anna Pack when me and my best friend, like childhood best friend were obsessed with Rogue. We just thought she was the coolest character. Um, and we like, we would draw like fan art of her from the animated series when we were little kids. And so when we saw the movie, I was like, why is this, like, Friday Night Lights looking bitch on my screen? I wanted, like, Suzanne Sugarbaker. Like, I wanted, like, come on up <laughs> yeah. and see me. I'm a fucking hot-ass slut. I'll kill you. Or whatever. <laughs> like, that was what I wanted to see on the screen. And then once I got through these, like, once I had seen the first movie a couple of times, and definitely by the time I saw the second movie, Rogue in my mind was a high schooler who, like, was vulnerable and scared. And I... You know, Anna Paquin's not doing, she doesn't have that much to work with, and she's not even doing her best work, but she's so charismatic on the screen. She's such good casting in this specific way because, like, you want to watch her, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, and I said this on the last episode too. I really think um, her, like, second chance at Rogue is, is Sookie Stackhouse. I feel like I would have killed to see, like, a, an all timeline where her, uh, you know, her, her Sookie level work. 
kind of became what Rogue really was, like, to go that much more country. I feel like, again, just on a country level, I wanted to see way more country, regardless of attitude, whether she Yeah, was, and I like, wanted, like, this... dirtier country. I wanted her to be like... Exactly. I wanted her to be like, oh, it's too bad you can't touch my skin because these tits are sweaty. I'd be like, wow, right. yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I wanted to see the type of, like, like, I wanted to see the type of person who would be into Gambit, like, who would be into, like, yeah. this, con- this country couple... Yeah. Who'd like who rip some just, shots, blow a couple cigs. Or just I just are just doing like Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, Wild at Heart. Like they're just doing like, yeah, we're on the road. Like like just cool. Nuts country. That's the, yeah. that's, the that's the allowable country, not the She's very country. Canadian country. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think, and David, you'll probably agree with me on this. I think a lot of that. The cartoon got a lot of that so right in the 90s right. of like mm-hmm. capturing their voice and like the way they speak. And I, I I mean, you know, going back to visit that cartoon, I still fucking love it. I can admit some of it is dated, but I think they did a really the animation good animation is the most dated thing. Yeah. And I, it's weird because I think it's really good, but it's also really like I think it's good for the time of looking like a comic book. I still always appreciate no, for the time, look. it was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it came out the same year as Batman the Animated Series. Well, what's um, tough is that I think also, like, it did, It never, like, had it... It did, it did it do the comics? Yes, and the comics have their own look, but it doesn't have its own look. It is very much based on the comics. So what... It, as much as that works, because the comic works so well, it's not like later X-Men shows, like X-Men Evolution, which was so defined by its own art style. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, that I agree like, with. Having rewatched the first episode, first season relatively recently, I was shocked. Honestly, I was shocked at how serious it was. Like a lot of it probably went over my head as a kid. Uh, Wolverine is incredibly sad and morose, like almost in a way that is, I, I mean, I was like laughing, which I probably shouldn't have been, but again, asshole. Uh, and like the mutant stuff was very cutting, like more than I remembered as a kid. Uh, you know, at, at least in the first season, I didn't get, I didn't start the second season yet. The animation is what it is. Like I, I mean, I was the dick being like, yeah, it came out the same year as Batman the animated series, but that's one of the best animated series ever. Plenty of other stuff looked a lot worse than X Men in 1992. By the way, like Toxic Crusaders was also out in 1992, uh, a superhero team starring the Toxic Avenger. So I remember that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sonic, so- the Sonic animated series was on television <laughs> around then, and uh, that looked like I drew it in a notebook. So. <laughs> There were two. There were one. There was one that looked really bad, and there was one that looked less bad. That came out like at basically the same time. Huh? I don't even remember. I I don't remember a Sonic cartoon at all. There, I mean, listen, everything had a cartoon in the '90s. I've discovered. I didn't. There was a Highlander cartoon. Even I didn't know that, and I had no life. Right. Nothing but watch fucking cartoons. Well, every every movie had to be a cartoon back then. But going back to Ian's point, like the the voices and the personalities of the characters worked so well on the animated series and they're actually a lot more enjoyable and more like what i associate with those characters than the movie it's just that the the personalities that they had to go with for the movie had to match the tone which is why rogue couldn't walk around calling people sugar um and you know gene couldn't you know faint while calling out scott's name uh, oh she manages to faint a minute but, yeah, uh, she, she... so they had to be like much more muted just to match the tone that anonymous was going for 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Like, it definitely would have been, like, weird. Like, Rogue would have been, like, she would have felt like just a cartoon if she was walking around with, like, that thick accent in this movie. Um, And it's weird, right? Because we're critiquing that, but we're also saying we do like the movie. But, like, the personalities, yeah. Like, I still go back to the cartoon when I'm reading the comics. Those are usually the voices I hear in my head. Um, Like, maybe Hugh Jackman. Fun mental exercise. Imagine Halle Berry shouting, Storm, Mistress of the Elements, commands you to release that child. And then Anna Paquin saying, lighten up on the speeches for her. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine? I can't. I personally can't. I, yeah, I don't know that either of them would have the range, but I would, I would like to see them try. Uh, So we're going to move on to, so Mystique breaks into whatever facility, because Steve, you pointed out that you, or one of you pointed out that you loved looking to see where other characters were cameoed. And I remember looking at the file she opened and being like, <gasps> and like quickly reading because it's all different oh, mutants' names. Oh, his names. I was like, it's empty. It's, it's on. It's on all of them. Bring him in. Or when, or when Professor X is like, I know a little girl who can walk through walls. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I know her too. <laughs> but like, I even noticed, and I don't think I noticed this before, on her spill down menu, it says Maximoff 2 for Pietro and Wanda because there's twins mm, and I was like oh that's right. a cool I don't know why they would categorize them like that but I like that <laughs> hey they're um, not mutants they're experiments done um <laughs> by uh don't get me started Ryan <laughs> oh my god yeah that shit is complicated as fuck let me tell you if only I was someone who had just joined Marvel and was writing the Scarlet Witch and had spent days <laughs> trying to figure out uh what the fuck is going on with them Wait, is everything that Marvel, all the decisions about um, Scarlet Witch that Marvel made, like, out of sheer pettiness, is that all still canon? I believe so. Like, it's crazy, like, when I, like, so, we went from is Polaris Magneto's kid to Polaris is Magneto's only kid? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that I, I genuinely, like, off the top of my head without looking at my notes, couldn't even tell you what Pietro and Wanda are. I think that they like maybe like Bova like had like a cow baby and that's them. I have no idea. That's not what it is. What? Way. I'm joking. Oh, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> what they were, it is some sort of high evolutionary thing yeah. happening. So I think that scene's done really well. I like the music in it. I think they do really well with their like music you know, like building the tension because also like, okay, so Mystique's in there. If someone caught her, I have no doubt that, I mean, especially at this point, we're assuming that Lady Deathstrike, we don't know her. She has mutant powers. So like, I kind of think Mystique could beat the crap out of anyone that saw her in that office. Like, it's not really like a point of concern that she would not make it out of there. Yeah, but she doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So... Mag- a Professor X splits up. Uh, he asks Wolverine to watch the kids. Storm and Jean go find Nightcrawler. He and Cyclops go see Magneto. All the Everything goes to shit. Uh, I think Magneto yelling, you should have killed me when you had the chance, is like so iconic. Oh, the trailer <laughs> moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I just, I forgot that was, it. like, I think that's like a, 
very iconic movie line that I forgot was in this movie. And I was like, all right. Like me and my best friends say that stupid shit. Like that's a line we would say to each other when we were drunk. Um, But yeah, I, I like all of that. It feels weird because also Steve, you pointed out the timeline. Oh yeah. So Storm and Jean, Storm and Jean go to find Nightcrawler. Everything Cyclops and Professor X go to see Magneto get captured Wolverine, like, there's a whole assault on the mansion, and he's into the next day by the time he's in Boston, and everyone else is still doing their thing. Yeah, it's relatively, I mean, in the grand scheme of X-Men, chronological issues, though. Right. But, like, it's weird to think, I'm like, how long did Storm and Jean, like, how long were they with Nightcrawler? Because it would have been a full, like, overnight? I don't know, but. Listen, they got yogurt, they talked, they went wig (laughs) shopping. (laughs) <laughs> well you yeah you see him go to bed and have his little moment of exposition about how he gives himself tattoos because he's because he loves god so he abuses himself uh that because that's the same scene i think right where they're in the church and they're like what yeah. about this one yeah. and his weird prosthetic finger touches his nose <laughs> um you know uh so yeah but it's it's uh, i did notice i mean i <laughs> i love how bizarre the fucking cyclops action scene with death strike is since we're on this part by the way too like i mean it's good it's character the fact that she fights not like a human being uh yeah is actually great and i also just love like I'll, I'll come clean i've always been like a solid seven out of ten on cyclops but has any character been as done dirty as Cyclops in all these? Oh, in all these movies, like he's gonna have to get super rebooted in whatever Marvel does with them. Like, because it, I, like, I mean, I, I went into this in the last episode where it was just like, but I super loved that. I, I mean, I love James Morrison. I, I like, I, I, I had the the ruby quartz again uh, sunglasses that Oakley put out. Love that. Um, so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like again, like he barely gets to use his powers for anything except like when it gets like snatched off his face and it blows in the roof in the first movie. Um, and you know, you don't get to see him too much. And then in, in the third one, it's just, he's out of there. He just has to empty his goggles. Like, like it's a spit filter, um, but he empties it, but it's just tears. And then he can shoot his powers because he spends <laughs> his whole time just silently weeping behind eyewear. It's like, and it's going to get even worse in the next one. I just wanted to be like, buddy, no, use talk space. I don't know where you guys fall on this, but I'll also come clean. Like I've never like really gotten James Marsden. So it was like a combination of a guy who I think has kind of like a uniquely punchable face playing a character who I've always been okay with, but then he always, like, he just gets rolled so badly all the time. And I'm just like, well, it's James Barson, so I do kind of get it. Uh, but, but right, it's like he gets he gets captured for the rest of the movie and doesn't come back for, like, a good hour of the film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, come on, man, you're the leader. Like, yeah. <laughs> And then the next film, it's like, oh, he's there for 10 minutes and then dead <laughs> and dies off screen, which is like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's the leader of the X-Men. <laughs> they had him for one day because he had to go to yeah. uh, Superman Returns. <laughs> That's a wrap on Cyclops. Nope, we don't get a death scene. <laughs> so we get to the mansion gets invaded by all these guards. Uh, I really appreciate. Wait, before we talk about that, actually, we got to stop. I'm sorry. We have to pause on. The scene that we've all been mentioning, Wolverine taking out that bottle of Dr. Pepper and Iceman blowing on it so ever so gently. 
and handing it back to Wolverine. Because, true story, I talked about this in the first movie. Both of these movies I read, it was like the peak of horny 19-year-old Ian reading lots of fan fiction. And boy, did I read so many different stories about this one scene that I still can remember. Yeah, I feel like that scene was very... um, formative for a lot of us well it's 90 percent eye contact (laughs) he just he doesn't just blow on it he like fucking locks eyes and it's (laughs) that's the moment well it's also the Cher horowitz of it all which is like anything you can do to draw attention to your mouth is good right (laughs) well i i never like this is my like you know, you may you may label me as you like uh, a bad young queer, but I I I had never noticed anything you're all talking about, and I and and I almost feel like I'm in the do- I'm like putting a hat on, a cone hat on because of it. Like, um, yeah. No, I mean, I see what you're saying now, and now you're like, Steve, have you had sex in your life? Like, what's wrong with you? But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I promise, like upwards of three times. So. <laughs> really i feel like the i was like 13 and i saw in hugh jackman's eyes the like future tweet i want that twink obliterated <laughs> <laughs> it's a good rorschach test for watching that scene um because you're either like do you want someone to be like blowing into a bottle looking at you or do you, or is that like ooh, good idea i'll blow into this bottle and look at him <laughs> <laughs> yeah i and i think it's that like Iceman's also like in his pajamas slash underwear. I mean, he's straight, so I don't know if those are like boxer shorts or are just like shorts. But like when he hides, you see that his legs are hairy. And I remember that doing things for me back then being like, oh, wait, I noticed those legs. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, we're just illuminating how what little young queers had at the time. <laughs> Very little. Ago, Listen, so. and I'm living in quarantine, so I noticed it even more now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, it's a it's a gift many many gays use online now. I mean, I I I, I get you. That's it. It was it was Chris Pine wearing briefs in Star Trek that made me realize I could wear those someday. So like I've had those experiences. I just missed this specific one, and now I feel like a fool. <laughs> also, how rude of you to reference the Star Trek reboot as like your sexual waiting, as if you're some young twenty year old Steve. <laughs> what up? <laughs> Shut up. I said it was my awakening <laughs> and the fact that I could wear briefs. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> I remember when I first noticed I was liking guys when Thor Ragnarok came out. <laughs> Wait, maybe so, I like well, guys. I'm just realizing now. <laughs> so I, Wolverine murders so many guards in this scene and I love it. I know, and none of them are me. I was like, just fucking stab me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading an article back then in Wizard Magazine that like they weren't allowed to show blood but like yes he was murdering these people but because of like ratings reasons they couldn't actually just really he would have been covered head to toe oh, yeah, in blood when, because you, uh, he... when you stab six foot long knives into a guy's chest and hold him there uh you know it's not it's not a bloodless wound yeah <laughs> you're telling me that kevlar uh, doesn't stop it up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i would have loved to have seen so my, my my creative solution to not showing the blood but like implying it was there was having this slaughter happen and blood, 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 blood. And then uh, Rogue and Iceman and Pyro, they all have to like, okay, go run. And they're trying to run down the hallway and then they keep slipping on on all the blood that's on the floor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that would have... I, But I love that there's no like, oop, they were just robots, don't worry, they were cyborgs. Because I definitely feel like that's what would happen 
now. No, we were, this uh, was like within two years of the first Hulk movie where they like went out of their way. Like every time he like blew up a, a tank or a helicopter to have someone radio in and be like, I'm fine. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> it is unusual that they went all in. But again, like you said, like I was loving it. Like Wolverine was kind of, he had moments in the first movie, but this, in this one, like it was kind of like, oh, now like people can understand why he is who he is uh and and what's unique about him in that he has this berserker violence and this animalistic nature about him it was great it was great i mean he uh and he didn't i don't think he really got it back in the third movie he has moments of it later on um i mean that said for everything we're talking about weird cross-reference the unrated version of the wolverine where you actually have blood is like two-thirds of a great movie and then one-third of a bad one but uh yes yes. (laughs) it recognizes that who has giant knives on his hand maybe like is a character that causes blood but then again you know what leonardo used swords for a fucking decade and never cut a single person so anything is possible wow (laughs) okay (laughs) david now i'm picturing leonardo with like kill kill bill level of like like, like chopping people up. He cuts Spider's head off in the first graphic novel story in the comics, like straight up. So, Whoa. well, the, the comics were way more adult than that cartoon. I remember I had those graphic novels, and I remember like not wanting my mom to see them because they were like, okay, quote unquote. Blown. But I'll get us back on topic and say, for all of you talking about your Pepsi blowing scene and your Wolverine killing people scene, the true blue balls for me as the world's biggest Colossus fan is the oh yeah, oh yeah, heartbreaking dialogue of help them and he fucking turns into steel for three seconds and then he fucking goes away for the whole movie i'm still angry about it now i'm still fucking angry about it now because he's not even that great when he comes back in the next one and like this was his moment it was his moment it was great and like it doesn't even make story sense wolverine why would you not take a dude who's a human fucking tank with you on your stupid journey i'm angry 17 years still angry about it clearly so he's like he's like we gotta get we gotta bring rogue with us <laughs> yeah. I I like that. I like seeing Colossus, but yeah, it's like, oh, this is cool and then it's like, nope, we're not going to see him again. That's cuz I like the visual of him walking into that room when they've is it they've just shot Siren, yeah. right? Uh yeah. and they've just shot her and he's like there to save this like, you know, little girl and then the guys, the soldiers blowing out of the wall. I like that, but like I would have also liked to seen Colossus actually do some punching and fighting, but we don't get. Any he does of that. throw through uh, two. He throws like two of the soldiers through a wall. That right. Yeah. But like, but, I mean, but, like without see... the two second transformation scene, the main way we know that he's Colossus is that he's shirtless and in like gray sweatpants. That's oh, like the main way we're supposed gray, to know. Gray sweat shorts on, running through this mansion carrying somebody that I was just like, yes, carry me down the hallway, get me to safety. <laughs> I also love as well that he is like it. He also is very much to me, like, as someone who lived in Russia, like, his characterization is great in that movie, even though he only has three seconds. Like, they can't figure out how to get the door open, so he just hits it real hard, uh, <laughs> which solves it. And, like, yeah, that's, like, every Russian man I met in 2007 when I lived there. So, like, but no, it's, it's the tragedy of the movie to me, straight up. Like, even had, like, the striations in the effects. Like, when he was in X3, they made him just, like, they just chromed his body. And, like, as a beard, I was yeah. like, it's bands. It's steel bands, you fools. Like, well, thing. especially, like, it's the movie that Nightcrawler is in. Have them be friends. 
you know but no no <laughs> also did, like i mean there was the question of like daniel cudmore was so much older than those other students it did raise questions for me though like how old is colossus in that movie that he is still in high school he but- was left back a couple of years I feel like he was clearly cast as just like, you're hot, you have muscles, great, that'll do. Yeah, and, and knowing Anonymous, I would have to assume. Yeah, oh, I didn't, didn't want to say, because yeah, he's not, I don't know that his acting is that great. But I will, the Wolverine saying, you want to shoot me, shoot me, is also an iconic line. Uh, I think of that as like the Wolverine line from the movies. And him like jumping off the balcony is like still pretty cool. Saving Rogue, Pyro, and Iceman. It's insane that so these kids all have these powers. Siren, who is like maybe a nine-year-old girl, right, in the movie. She's like a nine-year-old child. She does more to help with her powers than like anyone else does. And I'm like, why aren't these people all using their powers? I don't think they all know how to. But, I mean, we see that even Iceman does. He does that like right. ice wall. Why wasn't he doing that more? And we see Pyro does because he like lights the cop cars on fire and like, why weren't they doing that? Like little things like that. It's like, we should have gotten a little, but I think a, a thing I noticed in this movie, probably due to budget, no, like no more than two people are ever using powers at once. It's always like they take a turn using their powers. Oh. It's never like. Well, no, it's absolutely budgetary reasons. That's the unsexy real reason, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, but we don't talk about that. But, no, but of course. Realistically, why does Cyclops get taken out so much? Because it costs more to have his little laser beam than to have Wolverine flying around. But what's interesting is that, like, some of the special effects from this held up so well. And then some of them, I'm like, ooh. Um, And there's, like, a couple, like, PlayStation 2-y moments. But for the most part, things looked pretty good. Like, I was like, oh... This is a pretty good balance. Like you could go in and do like the George Lucas and retouch a couple of scenes, but in general, it looks like really nice. I I, I don't know. I, I I it looks way better than um because having seen three recently, don't ask why. It looks way better than anything in that. So I agree with you. I think the main thing that we'll and we'll get there, but like the water coming through the trees looks real crap at the end. Yeah, uh, the water, I- the jets looked didn't look good. Anything that was like too big, they couldn't like get a grip on. Some of the um, flame scenes from uh, the raid on Iceman's house uh, looked pretty aged. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. Anytime, but this is something that we have to sort of like, I think this controversial opinion, perhaps, uh, I think characters like shooting things out of their hands looks cool in comics, but rarely actually looks cool in film. Like, yeah. Because I just thought like, like even Iceman, like essentially shooting a, freezing beam and in the beginning uh and including even in like days of future past when he's like like just shooting the ice shield around like it looked like it does but somehow i feel like it just is a hard sell uh in motion um i don't know like that's that's just my take i thought that he yes like anytime especially in this movie that he like shoots frost at something and it freezes it it looks kind of rough to me well, the tough thing with that is, like, where do you go? Do you go, like, fully caked in ice? Do you go, like, frosty snowman? Or, like, do you go, like, it's there's different ways it could come, kind of look. Whereas I feel like Pyro's power is pretty nice if you're an action director because you're like, all right, we'll do a couple, like, he's holding a fireball shot so we could just pull that from, like, our charmed assets and then we'll throw some explosions at cop cars and, like, that, we're good to go. And so 
it's the but it's the stuff like the mystique stuff that I'm like, not bad. Like it's just it's not bad. It looks good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I think I said this in our first recording that Mystique weirdly her transformations weirdly hold up. It's like oh, feels yeah, like it great. shouldn't. You just you don't think but, about yeah. the height too much and it's great. Well, because I think the thing is it's just like I feel like every time they created like a like when they're trying to get photorealism, like with fire or water or like a plane taking off. Like that's when you get into trouble. But like when you have something that is like a concept that you're just executing, like yeah. mystique, weird, like scale, like pixelated thing. Like it can look a little screwy, but it's all part of the concept. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's practical stuff and the concept stuff that works really well. You're totally right. Yeah. So Iceman, uh, Rogue, Pyro and Wolverine escape to Iceman's family's home in Boston. Uh, we get, the very also iconic scene where they're talking. I loved, I think Hugh Jackman does well in Wolverine as Wolverine, either like the berserker rage shit or the like Wolverine awkward talking to like regular people. Yeah. And I kind of love him just like at the house and he doesn't, he can't even think of a good reason he's there. He can't even say I'm a professor, which like, I guess, like you said, technically he is a professor. He works at the school, right? They all are. He's like groundskeeper Willie. lunch lady uh (laughs) lunch lady doris yes (laughs) and he's just like uh and like doesn't even know how to interact with a cat like he has his claws out that cat moment again this is going back to our little thing where the stupidest shit works the best where it's just like it's just him and he's got the claws out and the little kitty legs that is the i will i will not remember a lot of stuff on my deathbed. I will remember that image exactly. <laughs> I won't know my own name. I will there, know but you know what? There's a lot of, I mean, there really is. There's a lot of moments like the, have you tried not being a mutant? Or like, yeah. or like he goes home and he's with his, his one friend who's a fire guy. And he's like, he's the heat miser and I'm the freeze miser. And they do that. Like that, like Barbie, <laughs> those Barbie dolls that meet each other meme where they're like, I'm just like you. You're just like me. And like, it's so, it works so well on like a teenage mind. Like I, it is it is shoved into my brain of being like God and, and you know, the ice one made the opposite choice than the fire one. Like it, there's stuff about X-Men. I, I feel like because it's such a big universe, you can pull so many things that work from the giant universe. And when you distill it down to like a couple of movies, you just, it's a lot of fun at the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, and let's t- let that scene of her being like, have you ever tried not being immune? Like very clearly is on purpose supposed to be like coming out. And I can remember my like 19 slash 20 year old brain being like, aha, this is a metaphor. <laughs> like thinking I like really like, solved the okay, whole thing. Okay, Poirot, like you figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Solved it. I mean, that was me. I was like, oh, when I get out of this, I'm going to say to Johnny, I think that was about being gay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I thought I was, like, my mind. I figured it out. You're like, I'm the next Ebert. I've, I, I, I've put the clues together. I'm not sure. I'm... I have always, like, David, like, so I missed the Pepsi bottles, I said, but I did not miss that. But I've always, like, perhaps because, again, asshole, like, his, his, like, his brother's, like, like, crying over the fact that his brother's a mutant when I think about, like, I, I'm just entertained by it. Like, I'm so unsympathetic to him. Like, 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 I don't know. Like when you think about the fact that he just came out and he's like, Oh, but like in my mind, he's just like, Bobby's special when I'm not. And I, and like, I don't know. I find that hilarious as fuck. And of course he screws them over and it's all very sad, but like, I don't know. Like, 
how hard he takes that. Uh, to this day, I'm just kind of like smirking because I'm. Just, well, like, it, I, I was going to say some of this metaphor holds up really well and some of it doesn't. And like that stuff at the time felt realistic to me. I can genuinely put myself in the mindset because at the time, a lot of the messaging was like, if you come out, have a place to move to permanently because your parents are very likely to kick you out. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so that kind of like knee jerk hate, like I was like, Oh shit, that's real. But nowadays, yeah, if it doesn't play as well because it's just, we just are so removed. I, I, I at least in the pop culture, mainstream zeitgeist, not saying that it doesn't happen in the world because obviously it does, but at least in the way we would portray these issues, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen like that and it's not like in our vocabulary anymore and oh, it's like yeah. it's That's sort of like the larger movie is sort of like that and like you know is it a, as a metaphor for discrimination does it work yeah totally but at the end like i don't know magneto was right like it, it doesn't the neoliberal idea of like let's all work together and get a reasonable man in the oval office who will see both sides it's just so like i just want to go back and be like no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> So I actually read there was an alternate version when I was looking up fun facts where Magneto actually just does help them escape, but they wanted to give their more like actiony at the end. Um, and I almost would have liked it better if Magneto did help them escape. Yeah, I think I would have liked that too. Yeah, but and I get they were just like, we needed more for them to do. And also like they couldn't have gotten that Jean Grey scene if Magneto was there, right? Because he could have just been like, great, I'll lift the plane out of the dam. I sure. didn't like that Jean... I didn't like the Jean Grey scene at all. I felt like it wasn't very earned. I'll say that. Well, again, right. yeah, they were already straining. Hard to see why she couldn't do that from the plane. Yes, let's get into it because that whole thing is bullshit. Even as a even as a 2003, I'm not even good at writing comics things yet. Like the characters in the movie bring up the logical reasons it doesn't have to happen and then hand wave them in the script. Right? Like there's no reason right. to do that from the plane. And then in case you were like Professor X, you don't want her to do this make her do it and he's like she's not letting me she can't fucking do that like yeah like, she has she's already extremely powerful but she doesn't have the powers they give her like if you wanted to do that literally if i was in that writer's room i would have been like well why don't we do a thing where when jason releases him from the illusions professor x has just been using a ton of energy identifying every human and mutant on the planet let's just have him pass out and then, like, we can't wake him up without Jean, and Jean won't wake him up because she's doing her thing. Like, there's there was ways to write around it, but it just felt to me very, like, like they had, like, in making the movie, they had these big set pieces, like, moments, like, iconic visuals that they wanted to do. It's very, um, uh, not to incite, like, a DC war, but it's very Zack Snyder to be like, I want a picture of Jean and one hand is holding back an entire dam and the other hand is lifting up her friends and family. And in that moment she sacrifices herself. It's like, okay, great. How are we getting there? And they were like, I don't know. We'll get it on the day. <laughs> like you can't do that. I hate it even more just because they call it out. It reminds me of like, it's almost like you're watching a movie that's memeing itself. Like I just think yeah. like, soon after inception came out, there was that meme of uh, DiCaprio being like, Oh, like I have to do this job so that I can, so that I can go back uh so that i can go back to america and see my kids and michael kane is like why don't i just go to america and bring your kids to france uh yeah and we like at them you know and i feel like it does it in the script they're like what about all these characters that can solve this thing that's going to happen oh they can't do it because reasons and then yeah the um, that's my one thing i was like why like like gene this doesn't have to happen well it is i will say it is a unique problem to x-men that if you're trying to think out all the plot devices you're so as a group they have so many powers that you're like 
you got to kind of build yourself a, 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 a like a Rube Goldberg machine of plot, which is very difficult. <laughs> um, but I don't appreciate that there wasn't even an attempt. Like, <laughs> right, because especially we got to see we also got to see Storm use more than lightning in this movie so we know she can like create these like hurricane level winds. she made like 14 to to 17 tornadoes oh my god sitting in that same um while flying jet, the so. plane yeah yeah well, no, i think that after this movie Halle berry still claimed to directors that she didn't get to do enough like like woman like you made 13 tornadoes you were key for the ending like she goes inside and freezes J- freezes uh, mastermind, like they like they definitely gave her more to do in this movie, which I do appreciate. She showed up on screen and was like, "I didn't do enough. Look at this Oscar." Like, but what's interesting <laughs> with this movie is that it, you do get a sense of every character, and you get a sense of like how, what the actor is trying to do with them, and you get them to see something, do something clever with their powers. Everybody gets a quip, a- and yet, and yet, like it doesn't like if you think about it, there's so many characters to service. There's so much to get, get through. And so many, like, like we have to get so many viewpoints or at least get so many personalities jammed in that. It's honestly kind of shocking that I had such a deep emotion. I really had like a deep emotional understanding of rogue and Wolverine's relationship. When, if you probably add up all the time to get that they had together on screen, it's not very much because we have to like get to Cyclops and Jean doing this thing. And then also professor X. And then you want storm and professor X to have a moment. So you know that they're really the leaders and then you have to get, you know, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think with a lesser crew, with a lesser, like, cast of actors the movie wouldn't have worked because it is kind of a mess right there's so many things going on and there's so many pieces moving. there's so many people I mean, I w- doing so many choices yes. and yet it does work like it it, it, yes, it, does. it does i it probably go, came down to the editing they, there's probably a yeah. really tight editor working on this because you know they have all these it doesn't work almost in every other movie moving forward after this one, having this many characters doing this many different fucking things. But in this one, it like, it just does. Right. And I read that the reason Toad and Sabretooth aren't in this is literally because they were just like, we have too many characters. Like they cut them out because, and we, Oh, really, I thought they died. Who cares? No, I, I read that they were going to come back, but then they just didn't have them in the movie because there was too many characters. And they were also going to include other X-Men, but, they felt like there was and i have a question for you yes david what's your question do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning (laughs) it doesn't get to re re, uh come back for the sequel (laughs) good job david (laughs) i'm proud of you (laughs) so yeah there's but also, the movie's broken up into two halves. The first hour is kind of like some action scenes, but setting up a lot of the plot. And then the second hour is all of them coming together to do like very disparate, different action scenes in this. I did read the the like whole underground base is a Sears warehouse that they use. And they just like re oh, wow. like built part of it for the set Good for Sears. <laughs> and that's what Sears looks like now. yeah (laughs) i will say so i watched it on amazon prime that i don't know that the captions are always the same but you know how storm and nightcrawler go to save the kids in that weird sewer cell thing that they're in and you know how she says jubilee's name like jubilee's the mutant she calls out that she looks at 
in the captions it says Julia. <laughs> <laughs> they I was said, like, God damn we it. gotta hedge our bets for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, she can't even get this credit. Like Jubilee does and... nothing in these movies. <laughs> And Man. then she's got the wrong name in the caption. <laughs> because also, I don't understand why those kids, I felt like those kids, like Jubilee, the actress playing Jubilee, looks like an older teen, right? Like, she looks like she could be 16. She should at least know how to, like, use her power. I don't know. It feels like none of them know any of that. Like, for the little, like, the little, little kids, I'm like, okay, sure. But the, like, older teen ones that are supposed to be kind of the same age as, like, Rogue and... Pyro and Iceman, it just feels like, listen, we all got to do the thing. I mean, maybe they all have bum powers, you know? Like, Jubilee is really, if we're thinking about it, what is she really going to do? Like, Excuse me. There are there are multiple <laughs> mutants whose powers are like, you know, I make moccasins. That's cool, but it's not going to do us a lot of favors here, bud. I make moccasins, I just spit them out, you That's know, then me. they're there. That's me, babe. <laughs> well, I mean, even like, even if they do have big, it's like Storm literally controls all the elements on exactly. planet Earth, and they have her sit there and go, I've done all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is true. It's also true that Professor X, like, I love that he, he's like, I have a credo that I can't change minds. Like, I won't go and mind control anyone. What I'll do is create a very long-term, decades-long influence campaign with propaganda and messaging. <laughs> it's like, if you want to mind control people, just go do it. Just do it. Like, I, what do you want? What do you want? You want a medal that says you're a good person? Okay, you're a good person. <laughs> so, also, uh, the Wolverine-Lady Deathstrike fight is really cool. Now I love that you you both pointed out now I think of like coming out of like her little fingers really doesn't make sense no. for those things as they would snap her fingers right off like potato chips. And oh wait, 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 wait. Also in that earlier scene, I forgot to mention outside the president's office where she's cracking her knuckles. <laughs> Every time I think of in young Frankenstein when he's like look, 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 with his like fake hand or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking right. about? <laughs> yeah, the uh the inspector. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> Not very intimidating. She's like, go, 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 go. sorry. <laughs> Listen, we all missed out not having uh, a scary movie answer to like superhero movies back in the 2000s. Yeah, we needed one at the time. Yeah, yeah. At the time. Sean William Scott as like Wolverine. <laughs> oh, he would have looked good. I though, know, I that would have been delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but so in this scene i can remember going to the comic my first job um in high school was at a comic book shop right and i was still like friendly with the boss and i remember going in to talk about this movie with him and i remember he and i shouting about the fact that we know that lady deathstrike is under striker's control but wolverine still murders her yeah that was so like, fucked there's up. no like we gotta save her. It's like, no, nope, we gotta kill and her. And she gets a solid, like, 30 seconds where she realizes what's happening to her. Like, you couldn't even just, yeah. like, not let that happen. You fully had her, her like, ha that actress was like, and in this moment, you realize you are dying for no reason. Okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. She might have survived. Wolverines never really care that much about murder. Like, you yeah. know, let's be real here. Like, it's kind of a solution to most problems. And that is a panty dropper. <laughs> It is. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. Oh, 
I do like, I mean, like we said, Magneto and Mystique's energy is just great in this movie. And I love when he sees Stryker and he's like, huh, we keep running into each other, Stryker. Well, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. Did anybody else Every... get the vibe that like Wolverine or that Wolverine? Did anybody else get the vibe that Magneto and Stryker had like hooked up one time as like a kind of a joke? And every oh, yeah. time, every time Magneto runs into Stryker, he's like, hi, William. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where that's definitely like if you had an inside the actor studio with with Ian McKellen, he'd be like, I was playing that in my head. I did not tell Brian Cox <laughs> about it, but <laughs> it played better that Brian Cox acted like he had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> but I just love like, I don't know, Ian McKellen's so good in this movie. Uh and then when they come back out when they're, you know, they're finally escaping, they're coming back out, Gene Gray's limping are carrying the professor wolverine's carrying Artie with his little tongue and striker's just like strung up in the chains against the wall and like delivering a weird line delivering his lines as though he's in a shakespeare play but is like in a superhero movie chained to a wall but wait how about wolverine carrying Artie? <laughs> Artie's expression I, I that kid actor deserved more kudos because his expression was very like wait what are you doing wait no just put me down what why am i what stop it like it was very like i can walk like he was like why are you taking me with you to see this weird man we're about to die um but i love and i love that wolverine's like yeah see ya and they just leave him chained to that fucking wall i love it so uh god oh well, then we get the Jean Grey death scene, which we already talked about. Then we get... So Professor X immediately says the Cyclops in the plane, like, we have to go to Washington, which it's like, all right, relax. We, have we got a go. lot of things going on. We have to go to the White House. <laughs> the White <laughs> House. You have, so serious. They have a lot of things going on. Maybe we, like, handle that in a day. Oh, but I will say nobody loves PR more than Professor X and Taylor Swift. They are 100% on the same page about PR. They they wake up in the morning. It's the first thing they reach for. <laughs> he does. He does love it. <laughs> so we get, uh, they escape. Jean Grey dies. I can remember watching that in the theater. My coworker. So we got, because I worked at a movie theater and it was, you know, back then they had to like put the reels together. And when they would put the reels together, you had employees had to watch the movies to make sure the reels were put together correctly. Um, And so we all got to watch it on Wednesday night before it came out, which was like, you know, a luxury to me back then. It was like, oh, my God, I'm so cool. I get to watch this beforehand. And I remember my coworker turning to me and saying, well, she's not going to really die. And I was like, yes, she is. And I felt like so like smug (laughs) because I was like, oh, clearly they're going to kill her and bring her back as Phoenix. Like. That's what they're doing here. They've alluded to the fire in her eyes. Uh, And I still remember like that being like, I don't know. I thought that was like so cool that they actually killed her and didn't. They like they kept it. It was like, nope, she's dead. She's in that lake. She's dead. And I don't know. I I liked that. I liked that. Although, yes, looking back on it, it's like everyone there could have helped a lot more. And they're all just like, well, no, mostly just Storm. I think Professor X could have helped too. I mean, yeah, they could have. I mean, if we want to be real, Iceman could have just froze the whole dam and been like, it's fine. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, I mean, obviously, like, again, they even call out the Nightcrawler could just teleport her away. And he's like, but I can't because she's not letting me. Uh, Like, again, my rage is unending for that scene. So (laughs) you want to know what pisses me off even more than that scene? 
so they established that Cerebro allows Professor X or whoever's using it, obviously just Professor X, to like focus in on a specific population. He's like thinking really hard about humans or thinking really hard about mutants. For some reason, they decided that despite that they've already established that the machine is capable of letting the professor choose, Magneto recalibrates it, but he does so by moving like metal plates. And it just seems like A, it's unnecessary because they've already shown that the machine can do what Magneto wants it to do. And B, what's that going to do? Like that's, that's it's not circuitry. That's like visual key. metal plates. It's going to give you a right. clear visual key for the cheap seats that he's doing something evil. <laughs> oh, man, that pissed me off. That continues to piss me off. It pissed me off the first time, and it pissed me off this morning when I rewatched it. Well, I will say it is very realistic that an old fag would be like, I need to rearrange the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the chi was being blocked. So we're gonna condo. We're gonna con Marie this thing, and then we're gonna we're gonna start over fresh, Charles. Okay. <laughs> so then we get the Wolverine scene where he's very clearly wearing a wig on top of his long hair from Van Helsing, and his sideburns look absurd. And then we get the final scene, which I can remember thinking was so cool. And then like every X Men movie after this wanted to redo this scene where it's like. They're all in the White House. There's like the flash of lightning and they're all wearing their costumes. They all look so cool. I remember I wanted a poster of that scene. Like I wanted that on my wall. Uh, yeah. How do we all feel about the ending? Uh, it's very, um, it's very Biden. And like, I love that for <laughs> 2003. Um, I don't. uh, it's so like wrapped up with a bow where it's like and just know mr president will be watching ha ha and then like high kick and they're gone it's like uh i don't (laughs) like it i don't like it at all i don't like that um that we don't get a scene back at the school with like the kids being like you know like um you know in some sense feeling like they've grown or changed or we don't like i don't know it's a little, I mean, it, it's a little quaint. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I am a professor X in the world, so I can't say that I, I disagree with it on like a personal level, but the way they do it is a little quaint and more to the point of, of what you guys are saying. Like that's not the point of the movie. Like it's a cool image, but the characters and the school and the, like, to me, like what you're asking for. Yeah. is something that we need. So much of the movie has been personal about these characters in the school the president doesn't fucking matter. Like I understand. Yeah, like we didn't see how the president grew or changed because of them, and we didn't see how they grew or changed because of the president, and we didn't even use the president as like a way to be like. And Professor X learned something that day. It's like he didn't. He's like, well, our opinions from earlier. Let's just stick it there. Like it's just not. I don't know. It doesn't resonate for me at all. It just feels so tacked on. And again, very like we'll make it relevant by bringing in politics. Right. I just think, like, I, for my my take on it is, like, I mean, I can, I mean, probably my reaction when I, back then, was like, <laughs> cool, awesome. Um, but now, like, looking at it and, you know, talking about it, I'm like, I, from a narrative point of view, especially if you're very clearly doing the second movie in a trilogy, um, I would have this be a thing where, well, in, in this one, you have arcs sort of cross paths. 
and you have Magneto, who has perhaps softened a bit, and then you have, I would like to have seen Professor X and the whole team have gone through so much damage and trauma that they have maybe hardened a bit. Yeah. I would like to have seen them be a li- I would like to see, a- I know I'm asking a lot from a movie directed by Anonymous, but I would have loved to have seen a little bit more queer rage in this moment, like a little bit more of a like, well, like maybe that there was like a prearranged sort of like summit where we're going to figure this out da, 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 and then they just all are like, just they're all very composed for someone who just lost a major part of the team. They're like in that thing and they're and like maybe Cyclops is a little like, you know, his cheekbones are quivering a bit, but like everybody else is like composed and, you know, especially compared to like, say, how maybe Buffy would have done this, which is um, like, you know, how they handled loss, which is just like, yeah, it's how they handled the Dark Willow thing, which is just like, yeah, that set up Dark Willow was losing someone so integral in such a meaningless way for no reason. Yeah, that's going to make everybody in fight. And it, that would set up probably what they were doing in Last Stand a little bit stronger by having everyone be pissed and angry and sad and maybe I was wrong and how do we keep all of this together in general and then having this sort of dark phoenix energy this destructive energy rise up out of that and then through that that, that's how I would have done the arc I mean just had a little bit more they seem so at peace with shit in this and it's just so weird well that's a whole other discussion but I'll say like Dark Phoenix can't be one movie like so th- this is my you can. having having had them fail it twice like if you're planning on doing Dark Phoenix that whole arc that they insist on doing which I don't even think you need because it's not exactly you know canon like with Xavier and Jean you should be hinting at that from movie 1 otherwise it's like he just seems like a weird secret asshole but in a way that's not supported by the plot like I don't know. Like, personally, I think Dark Phoenix, they fucked it up twice. We should never see it again. But, and, and, and whatever, like, it'll probably, I think it will happen in the MCU, personally. But, um, but even if we got our, my dream, like, Disney Plus HBO style X Men series, if we did a Dark Phoenix storyline, even if it was season five or six, like, down the line, and I was like, I love this show, it's just like, I don't trust anyone to do it right at this point. And no matter what you do, it's either going to be like a weird like a, 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 another third attempt or it'll it'll you'll have to do a version of it that's different and so in it being different it won't be right and like i just don't touch it just don't touch it Ugh. well the animated series proved that it could be adapted successfully i mean it's it can be but i think honestly like i don't know again we're off topic here but it might even be easier to do in the mcu because so much of what they've shied away from in previous adaptations is already the norm there. Like, you know, any future adaptation, if they're in the Disney movies is going to have the Shi'ar, it's going to have real space shit because that that's the norm there. You know, I just, I just wish Gene had more time to do that stuff. Sure. No, I mean, it needs to be at least two movies on its own. The natural point is when she fucking lets herself be killed on the moon and then you end the movie and it's very sad. And a year later, everybody comes back and they're like shocked. Uh, But you know, you're talking to a guy who would have ended Iron Man 2 when he drunkenly fucks his life up and flies away and then made people wait two years to find out if he was ever going to be not an asshole again. So right. I just, I want to, I want to see them make Jean Grey. I want to see a Jean Grey story. That's not Dark Phoenix. Like, is there, 
Like, yeah, like, let her be something else. Even if we did do that HBO show, right. I'd be like, oh, so this was all just build up to get to this. And, like, I, I it's, and it's very, as much as I love it, it's so done that it's like, it's like, oh, resurrection metaphor. Like, nothing about it is going to surprise me. And I feel like Jean is a character who can do more. And so I just feel like don't touch yeah. it for a while. Let it become something okay. I forget about. Until I'm ready for, I'm ready for right. to come in there and just break the relationship up. Like, let's be real. Like, I'm ready for White yeah. Queen trouble. So yeah, yeah. I'm I, I just I would again for me, like as a non-comics fan, my perspective of the Dark Phoenix story is it's a close third to Bruce Wayne's parents' murder and Uncle Ben's murder, as far as like I've seen it. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> and and but the thing is it works really well in the comic. Like it's a beautiful arc. It's just like everybody knows it at this point that it's like, okay, I get it. It's it I don't know. It's yeah. sort of it, yeah, it's it, like you said, it's the Batman scene. Okay, so wrapping up, um, Adam, what's your favorite scene? Uh, for, oh, for me, for for this, I think it's um, I have I have a lot of affection for the whole um mansion fight. I was uh, like that was the whole thing that really launched uh Comic Con into the stratosphere. Um, I mean, it definitely was sort of just a great everybody kind of you got to see everybody uh you got to see everything kind of really clicking uh yeah let's say that oh it's definitely the opening to me like uh i the mansion fight is great but for me like the opening really showed you like how far they were pushing this movie into what you wanted you know after a, a first movie that was good but relatively tame and you were like oh no this is like definitely a clear step up into into wilder storytelling and bigger storytelling. So it, the, the opening to me sets, sets the scene for the rest of the movie as it should, but you know, it's not always, not every, not all the time are things like that effective. It's incredibly effective. Same. Um, I, I, though I, I'm watching it as an adult, the opening scene and the mansion scene are beautifully done and probably the best scenes of the movie. The scene that I, that always stuck with me. And every time I, someone mentions this movie first jumps to my head is the, like at Iceman's house, the like, have you tried not being a mutant? Awkward. We're in suburbia scene. It, it is the one that like jumps to the front of my mind because I think I liked watching it. It, it delighted me so much to see it happen at that age on such, in such a big mainstream way that it, it's, I'm emotionally like tied to it. I think it would have had like much more of an impact on me if Buffy had not done this, the same thing or like almost verbatim uh, a few years Fair. prior. Yeah, totally. Fair. That makes sense. But at the time, I wasn't connecting that. Yeah, for me, my I cheated and I put the Nightcrawler scene is my favorite, but closely followed by Wolverine murdering everyone in the mansion and Iceman's coming out mm-hmm. scene. So yeah, I think those are like the three best scenes of the movie. Um, and now we're gonna grade the movie. Um, I give it, I give it a borderline B plus A. Not quite. Sure. I like somewhere in the middle there. I might. I'm probably leaning more towards a adam uh yeah i would give it an a minus however um you know in five years when we probably have a lot stronger um other examples of how to do an x-men movie it that that score might plummet later on so fair yeah uh david i give it an a ryan um i want to give it a b plus because i want 
it has big flaws in both in the context of its time and out of the context of its time. And I, I can't be like, oh, oh God, I just want to watch that movie all the time. Like I, I, I do want to talk about that movie all the time, but I don't want to watch it all the time. Um, but it is a lot of fun at the movies. Like you just, you have fun watching it. And there is, it is different than the movies, the superhero movies being made today in ways that I can't even put into words at the moment. So like, I, I don't know. I, it, I would give it a B plus. It, does it deserve it? Does it deserve more? Does it deserve less? Complicated question. I wish our grading system was, uh, was, uh, was, uh, colors and shapes. <laughs> and Steve, I, I agree with the B or the B plus. Like it's probably the best we've had. But I, what was said there is key. Like I still don't find myself going back and watching it all the time. Like they're like, there's. I still find myself in life often being like, I want to watch an X Men movie, but then I think of all five thousand of them, and I'm like, oh, but I don't want to watch any of those X Men movies. Uh, and you know, that's all we have. But it is the like that said. When I think of the great things, nine. 90% of them come from this movie. So I, I'm on board with the B plus. Um, and I, I, I don't even know, like it, it, it's interesting. Like, yeah, maybe five years down the road when we have MCU X-Men, it'll be quote unquote better, but I don't know if it'll be as distinctive. I don't know because cause it'll, it'll still be a, Mar a Marvel Disney movie. And there's a homogenous nature to those that makes me wonder if I'll put it above this or not. I really don't know. I guess that's my counterpoint is like, we'll have a movie that might be truer, but I don't know if it'll be as distinctive. It certainly won't even take the risks that this one did because that's not what Marvel movies do uh, well, too often. And, and, and so I don't know, like um, I, I, I don't think that I can think of one that'll ever be more than this to me. Uh, maybe not. I don't know, but I definitely agree with the B plus. Like I said, there are things that I still sort of fight through to get to the parts I like. Uh, but also everything from the franchise nearly that I think is iconic comes from this movie. Well, it, it, it's so interesting that you say that because it's like, what in my mind is canon X-Men? Because there's so much. And to me, it's like the animated series of, of the of the movie TV stuff. It's the animated series, this movie, and Days of Future Past, and nothing else is canon to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say Days of Future Past and this are my two favorites. I think Days of Future Past does have some flaws like this movie, but I think they're both fucking great. Um, okay, so real quick, everyone, in like three words or less, we're going to say where we can find each other. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find SlayerFest98 um, on all socials at SlayerFestX98. You can find us on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Patreon, which helps uh, keep this podcast going, Twitter and Instagram. David, where can everyone find you? I am Discreet Latino, um, E-E-T, on most social media platforms. And Ryan, where can everyone find you? I am at Ryan Houlihan all over the internet. You're an adult. You know how to find that. And you can read Input Magazine, which is a magazine for nerds that I am an editor of. So, And Adam? You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Sass. You can also please pre-order my upcoming young adult novel debut, Surrender Your Sons, which is coming out in September, uh, wherever you buy your books. And Steve. I'm also Discreet Latino. Uh, D -I -S -T -R -E. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm the Steve Orlando uh, on Twitter and on, on Instagram. So there's a place to find me. I'm the bottle that ice meant. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you guys for joining us. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.